All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guests today, Theo Etzel. Theo was CEO of Conditioned Air for 23 years. In that time, the company grew from $2.7 million in revenue to $55 million in sales. He stepped down as CEO in June of 2018 and is currently chairman of the Conditioned Air, now a $60-plus million regional organization in the residential and light commercial HVAC markets. Condition Air employs over 375 full-time co-workers and has branches in Fort Myers and Sarasota. Theo is the author of the book, Invest Your Heartbeats Wisely, released in April of 2016. The book focuses on practical, philosophical, and principled leadership concepts for business and life. Theo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate being here. It's always a joy. Tell, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what led you to doing what you're doing. Uh, well, my background, I'm a native Floridian, grew up in Miami and attended Stetson University with focus on finance and economics. And that got me started into the business side of things through developing hotels for a national chain of hotels and traveling around the country doing that. And even into some entrepreneurial things after that, developing uh, an area franchise model for Ben and Jerry's in the Atlanta area, where we were then living, and did that for several years, ended up selling those stores and having the opportunity to, to come to Naples, Florida, back, back down on the West Coast, take over a small air conditioning company, Conditioned Air and apply sort of the entrepreneurial people skills that it needed at that time and help grow the business. And I would say that I didn't have any experience in the HVAC world specifically, but I certainly had business experience and I'm a people person. I tried my best to bring good practices, good ethics, good people treatment into the company, learn the HVAC part as I went along, but build a team that could really help that process grow. So you walk into this uh, small HVAC company without any industry experience, and you're about to take it over. What were some of the things that you did right off the bat to connect with the people who work there and to really develop that, that passion for the business and to build the culture that you did. The first challenge that I realized that I had personally and that the company had uh, organizationally was that the person that was in my chair previously had not been forthright and straight up with the staff. And so my Number one goal was to establish trust with the staff. So that required a whole level of transparency, 
tell people what I was going to do and make sure that I did it so that they saw that there was consistency in word and deed. Building the trust probably took the better part of a year mm-hmm. to, to be truthful because there was skepticism. He's young. He hasn't been in our business before. What does he know? What's he really here for? I mean, you have, you know, people, people will make up in their minds what a, a narrative to support their suspicions if, if allowed to. And so that's where I do think in any organization, no matter what size, terrific communications has to be the key. So you have to constantly tell people what you're going to do, set expectations, carry through with those, solicit input for what works, what doesn't work, ask questions and respect their opinion. Doesn't mean you have to adopt it, but it means you have to communicate with them. If you, if you don't choose to adopt an idea that someone suggests, you do need to explain why we can't do it exactly that way. So what would be an example of something specific that you did to build trust as they saw that you were young and they were skeptical? Maybe it was leftover from the previous administration of what they experienced for them, but was there something that comes to mind that an example or something that you specifically did to build that trust? I think one of the first things we did was when I reviewed some of the programs or things that had been in place, 401ks, things like that, that may have gotten trimmed as it were, so that, that some of the benefits had been, had been reduced mm. uh, over time, over the last 18 months or so, a couple of years from when I got there, I did sit down with people and really look at what matters to them. What, what did you have? What don't you have now? Why is that important? Right? What, is, what, what are these things that are important to you? And also look that from a competitive landscape too. Right. So are we competitive in recruiting with the current benefits package we have? What did we have? What don't we have now? And so I think I, I worked diligently to reestablish things that had been lost that were important to them. Even sitting down and asking them the question and that, that critical in question of what's important to you, because you could make up stuff all day long as far as what you think that employees need, but having those individual conversations and listening certainly sounds like it had a, a big role in building that trust. Yes. And I've had fast forward just to current, just to, by way of teeing off on that, the conversations are very, very, very good, but I have, I'm involved in a private school on the board of trustees now and our head of school he has an excellent way when he showed up at our, at our school and was new, he too sat down with the staff and did the individual questions. And, and several of the questions I thought were really key. And that is, what are we doing currently that you like? What could we do better that you would like to see improved? What are the sacred cows that I might trip over? Interesting. So, so I don't know what they are. And, and would you tell me something that is it's known, but it's not talked about. And then 
And I thought this was key. What are you scared I'm going to do? And that- Uh, Well, that's a scary question. (laughs) Great. But it's a great question because it's a really opening question. What are you scared I'm going to do? And it's a vulnerability question, right? So I think, you know, I think you're going to reduce our salaries, or I think you're going to cut a lot of staff. I don't think you're going to invest in our development uh, individually, uh, you know, education-wise. Anything can come out, but it creates a tremendous amount of conversation and insight into the organization. While I didn't use those specific questions in my conversations, I was always trying to find out what was important, what was needed. And that really reflects more on my style, one of a, of a coach as a leader trying to, to build other people, but also in servant leadership, which is if you're working with me, I don't want to come in and have to tell you what to do on a daily basis. I, I, micromanaging is, I don't find any joy in that, nor do I find that productive at all. But what I will ask is, what do you need from me that helps you do your job better, easier, more efficiently, and creates a better atmosphere in, in the organization? And if we can do that, we'll set out to go do that. And so if you continually ask what, what that is, that leads to a lot of innovation, I think. Fast forward, going from the beginning of initially building that trust, you and I cannot have a conversation, of course, without talking about your open book leadership, because I just think that that is so mind-blowing for people that would never consider showing their employees the actual books. And so I'd really love for you to walk through that process, maybe starting with the philosophy that made you take a look at that, mm-hmm. how the process of implementation looked, and then what happened afterwards with the employees. But that goes back to my premise that, especially for leaders, people in the organization that are actually on the front lines doing the work of the company. So in our case, they're technicians that are in people's homes or they're on a construction site or their installations going into equipment in people's homes or, or offices and businesses. They're coming in contact with the customer. They're, they're seeing the, they're, they're having to do the manual labor. They're having to do the, the, you know, the heavy lifting a lot on the front line. It can be a very easy jump for someone if they wish it to be to go from here I am putting in this complicated system to there's Theo, he must be up in his office pushing dollar bills in his pockets and and figuring out how to get them out of the office every night. It's a natural thing to play with. It's an unknown. How much does the company make? They pay me, but how much does the company make? Is the company in good shape? Are we doing the best we can? Are we going to be around? People want to know some certainties. Uh, interestingly, from the manufacturing world, the, uh, the book, The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack, focused on manufacturing and the plant that was actually designed to be an open book plant. In other words, they put teams together, they ask for input, how do you do your job more efficiently? 
here's what the impact of manufacturing one more widget per hour means. And they started sharing a lot of numbers. And that, then they got a lot of input on how to improve the system and do it better. And people became invested mentally in the organization. So we took that model and we modified it to fit our company. And we started sharing with people how much it, we started because it's an education process. If you haven't done it and people aren't used to looking at a profit and loss statement, you do have to invest time and energy and an education of that. But we did. And we started with the expenses and we made it kind of a game. Guess how much we spend on gas last month, our vans to everybody's home. And people started to become just their eyes bugged out when they heard how much the gas bill was or the insurance bill or training or tools that we buy or all those things that, that go into making up a business. And then we started with the, the income side. And so we would then do it on a quarterly basis and we would project uh, on the screen a profit and loss and our CFO would go through the line items. Now the line items are grouped. Right. So let's, let's not kid ourselves. We're not showing everybody's individual salaries up there. We're, we're doing things properly, but we're going to show how much is spent on health insurance, how much is spent on vacation time, each part of the benefits that we contribute to, and then all the, all the things that make up, you know, expense side. And it's a very educational, very eye-opening thing. And then if, our, our feeling was if you share this information and you're asking for people to think about how to do things in a wiser, better, more efficient way to create more value for the company, then you really need to share part of the growth of the profit that results from people pitching in and having a, a quote, owner's mentality. And so, so we do that. So they, they're part of a share program at the end of the year, and, and we, we divide up a portion of the profits, and, and uh, they get to see that on a monthly basis where their, quote, share value stands. It's just a way to involve people, thank people, and always have people thinking about the greater picture. And the other interesting thing that came out of this was it really helped with your retention didn't it versus people jumping and starting their own HVAC companies. Talk a little bit about that. That was very common. I think people, you know, if they, if, if in their mind, they think, oh, wow, he's up there stuffing dollar bills in his pocket. How hard can that be? I'll go down to the, to the used car place, get a van and throw my sign on, on the side of it. I can be their competitor. Once people started getting an education on what it takes to really make the phone ring, what you spend in advertising, what you spend in some of these other components that really add up in, in being a consistent business, it became clear to a lot of folks, I like what I do, and they are providing career paths here. And that's something that goes hand in hand. If you, don't, if you want retention, then you, you do need to you do need to have a way for people to accelerate, move up or move around in the organization and tear down the sort of silos that you, you just plug somebody in. They're there until they say, I quit. That's not healthy either. But it helped mentally prepare people to say, 
I really like what I'm doing and I'm not taking my work home with me. I don't have to worry about a payroll. I don't have to worry about some of the other things. And it puts in perspective what the business climate is out there as well. So yes, it does help with retention in, in my opinion, it does. And, and I, but I also think it makes for a more satisfied workforce because one of the, one of the key things that happened after we started doing this, the very first meetings, several people walked up and said, thank you for trusting us with mm-hmm. this. So it was a huge step of trust to show them we have nothing to hide here. We're going to show you how we're doing. Well, and it also helps them when we look at our employees from a holistic standpoint and we're taking care of the whole person, not the person that just shows up at the plant or shows up at the job site, but by giving people that financial education, there's probably a pretty good chance that they were better with their own personal finances, that they were able to take that same type of mentality into their home because they had a different level of understanding. Correct. I think you're probably right on that. And, and I do think it's important, along with, with that concept, to look at the employee holistically. So we are always concerned about family, the, the person, what's going on in their life, and, and offer programs to assist people that have situations that come up, as we all do, and need some guidance on some things. And so, uh, you know, we think that's a, a very important thing is to stand behind folks that are, you know, really on the team. And we want to, we want to be supportive of that. So what are some of the things right now amidst the COVID and everything else that we're going through, but what's keeping you up at night? You know, early on, pe- people have asked me this question and I said, I have to answer it this way. I said, well, early on, when uh, it wasn't too many months after I got to Conditioned Air, it was Wednesday, and I was wondering, are we really going to make payroll on Friday? And people owed us some money. So I knew Thursday was go grab the checks and make sure they paid us. I had a few uh, few weeks like that, that I know the I know the feeling of being stressed. And fortunately, we don't have that to contend with now. But I would say it is concerning in COVID, but beyond COVID, we travel so many miles on the road and we put, you know, our people at risk and, and obviously other drivers that are on the road are at risk. And so I would say just the sheer number of miles that we drive, we, we really emphasize the safety aspect of everything that we do and, and never, ever complain about anybody that says, I, I, you know, I don't think this job is safe. I need help. We want to support that, but driving and making sure they're accident free and really, really going after that is uh, first and foremost, because that's a huge exposure for us, right? From that standpoint. And, And we want everybody to return home safely and healthy and be able to come back to work healthy and, and all that. But in the COVID side too, obviously we took extraordinary steps immediately to give personal protective equipment to people to be protected uh, when they went in someone's home or in a construction site and, and all that, and made sure that we could contact trace. And we had to do the same thing. We had to have people work from home. We had to have people not, we, we didn't have group meetings again for a long time. Those kinds of things did it virtually and did it by video and video messages and like I said, the communication is the key. So you have to continually keep that going by whatever means 
available at the at the time. Right. And when it comes to you know creating this network of industry colleagues, what would be something that you would like to learn from other manufacturing HVAC industry professionals? And what would be your areas of expertise that you'd be willing to share with people who want to connect? Oh, well, uh, thank you. I'm, I am always happy to talk about leadership styles and company culture, because I really think company culture is uh, such a key to a success of any business. I think that, you know, having a solid team and that team atmosphere is, is just so key and recognizing people and, and, you know, I always say, catch them doing the right thing. I mean, catch someone doing the right thing, tell them they're doing the right thing, pat them on the back uh, and make sure you do that publicly so that other people see you congratulating someone or thanking somebody. And so I'm happy to, to talk to people about my experiences in, in those things and the efforts that we, uh, that, that we took to, to do that. As far as, uh, as far as learning, Things I am open to so many things to learn and and love to do that. So I enjoy listening to to people talk and picking up on picking up on subtle subtle things that that they've had experience with and and especially when it comes to employees and gaining more efficiencies out of a process or how they got people to buy into a process when they had a large process to uh, to implement. So, you know, implementation of or a change in an organization of something that you're used to, computer system, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, hey, we've got a whole new system, and now you've got to, got to go this direction. Uh, there's a lot of tears and gnashing of teeth that come with, with uh, things like that <laughs> quite often. So I'm always uh, a student of how, how, do you, how do you help get that uh, done in a, in an efficient and timely manner. So love stuff like that too. And if you could boil it down to your favorite leadership principle, I mean, I know you wrote a whole book on it, <laughs> but what would be your words of wisdom to leave our listeners to, with today? The most important thing that a leader can do is invest in their people. It's, it's all about the, it's all about the team and the people. And if I don't think if you are, if you're not willing to serve people, if you're not willing to be transparent, if you're not willing to be honest with them and expect honesty from them, then I, I don't think, I don't think you're going to have a great culture in the, in the company. And I think if you show, if you show the respect and you show the admiration for the people that are, are there doing the work with you, and you're a real teammate to them and not afraid to, to lead the charge and be, be right by their side when, when times are tough and admit when times are tough or when you've made a mistake and apologize and say, let's you know, recover and let's keep going. I, I think your culture will suffer from that. It has served me well in, in all my experiences. And anytime I didn't trust my gut on, on doing it that way, I've just always regretted it. So uh, to me, it's just the best, best policy that way. Well, Theo, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. If people wanted to get in touch and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, easiest way is email me at Theo at theoetzel.com. And, and you can always go to the website, theoetzel.com. 
and uh, fill out, a, you know, there's a contact sheet there and, and all that too. But yep, that's, that's the easiest way. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today, Theo. Absolutely, Lisa. Always enjoy talking to you and thank you for what you do. You're very welcome. Well, I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.